Hello, and welcome to Standing in the Stream, a podcast for and about creative people. I'm your host, John Lane. My guest today is multidisciplinary artist Lindsay Hampton. Based in Vancouver, Lindsay works in a variety of disciplines, graphic design, ceramics, photography, installations, even music. She was recently profiled in T Magazine, which is a blog of the New York Times and how I discovered her, as one of a group of young ceramic artists who are redefining the medium, which was, I suppose, traditionally associated with folk art, and bringing forward sophisticated new designs in that, in that idiom. So, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm I- excited. I always like at the at the top of the show to get a little bit of background and sort of hear about your journey, and you can take us as far back as you'd like, but I always want to ask a little bit about your journey thus far as an artist. So, you know, take us as far back as you'd like. Tell us how you got started, uh, perhaps some formative experiences that you had early on that led you to where you are today. Mm. Um. Probably as as far back as maybe like a realization of of sort of a need for creating was probably in high school. Um, it, I I actually thinking about what I wanted to do after high school. I I actually thought I would go into photography, um, and then I ended up not doing anything and just just like hanging out, and then started getting into more like computer graphics and playing around with that for a couple years and then deciding to go to school for graphic design. And that was in 2006, I think. Uh, yeah, 2006, I went to school for graphic design for, I did a two year program. And then, and then, uh, after that, I started doing design, um, pretty much freelance and, did that for a number of years, uh, and then kind of just randomly got into ceramics, um, and then it eventually became much more of a thing, kind of organically. Um, I didn't really put too much thought into it at the beginning, but um, here I am. So, yeah, it's been nice. <laughs> well, I definitely want to ask uh, more about the ceramics um, that you do because that's that's actually how I I found you was on that a blog yeah. that I mentioned up at the intro, and um, so I definitely want to get into that. But I, I have a couple of questions about your graphic design stuff. So uh, so you went to school for graphic design, but then how did you kind of break into doing freelance work as a graphic designer? I think I got really lucky, or. I don't know. I I think it's also knowing the right people. Um, I the, one of the first jobs I got after I graduated was doing poster design for a production company in Vancouver, and that was just a job that I got because I knew the right people. Um, I didn't. I I didn't always think that I. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really hard because graphic design is a very is an interesting subject in itself where you can almost do anything in any field and still be a graphic designer. Um, and the people that I knew in the city uh, were just were musicians and people who put on shows and put out records. And 
So I just kind of got a job doing that and it just stuck and it was kind of felt like that's where I belonged. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you you did a lot of like concert posters and like uh, album liner art, that type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's just felt like the most natural thing for me to be designing all, you know, like my friends are all in bands and I just I knew I had so many connections in that world and that also happens to be a world that needs a lot of design and uh, it was nice that that's where I could be and so tell me a little bit about maybe uh, a recent project or one that you thought was particularly successful like how did you come up with how do you come up with concepts for design do you do you like um, you know, visit with the musicians and, and talk about sort of their vision or do you are given, you know, have you been given free reign on projects before? Like what, what's the sort of process that you work in? It really varies from project to project. If it's just a poster design, a lot of the times I just, someone will just tell me that they need a poster for the show and I will just sit down for a couple hours and I don't plan a lot, um, which is, I remember in design school, that was one thing that I couldn't really wrap my head around because uh, that's all graphic design was for a lot of people, was like just planning and sketching and thinking about it for days and days before you even sit down at a computer. And for me, I seemed to do my best work when I was able to just sort of like actually work through my my ideas and then but other times other times if it's something a bigger project like an album design uh I have been given free reign before and that's really fun and exciting but it's also really fun to sit down with the artist and and talk about you know their vision because a lot of the times someone will have an idea of what of what they want you know it's there's a lot of work that goes into putting to like recording and putting out an album. So they've probably given it some thought and it's, it's, (laughs) it's nice to try and get those thoughts out of someone's head. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's, it's a fun, like problem solving. Almost a collaborative sort of uh, idea. Yeah. And it usually ends up being very collaborative. Um, yeah, just just because it's you're you're creating something that is like a visual rep- representation of someone else's art. So it's it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. So uh, are you still uh, with with all your work with the ceramics now? Do you still keep up the design work? I mean, are you still working in all these different? Um disciplines uh because also there's photography as well which i mentioned up front and i noticed on your website that you had several uh portraits and and things there did those kind of go hand in hand the photography and working because i it seems like maybe these were bands that you were photographing it wasn't entirely clear yeah most of the most of the photography i have on my website are are um like band portraits um that uh, kind of came from doing, I, I, I worked for a local, like a small run kind of street press music magazine called Discorder. I was the art director for that magazine for a couple years and, um, doing 
doing the band portraits kind of came from doing that magazine. Um, I, I love doing them. I don't do them very often, but I, I, after I started doing graphic design and, and sort of became very comfortable with, with my own ideas, um, sort of molding, molding photographs in a way in like treating them as a design was something that I really enjoyed doing. And I, I hope that I do more in the future because I do really enjoy it. And so, so this is an ongoing uh, work oh, with yeah, the design. Yeah. It's, um, I, up until probably like, I don't not that long ago, maybe like nine months ago, I, I would say that I'm a, a graphic designer and I do ceramics on the side but I've I've switched that, <laughs> so now I pretty much say I do I do ceramics and I do graphic design on the side. <laughs> For now, I mean it, it's a balance that's always kind of shifting. Sure, so. always evolving as as these yeah, things are yeah. want to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, so you're uh, in Vancouver now. Now, are you from Vancouver? What's the connection there? And how did you decide if you're if you're not from that area? Then how did you decide to make or keep that as your a home base. Um, I grew up on Vancouver Island, um, which is close by. It's just like an hour and a half ferry ride away. Um, so this was really just the closest city to to my family and my my roots. And I honestly did not give it much thought. I just kind of moved here when I was young, um, and I've just been here ever since. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, you know, you always think about moving and, and, tr you know, trying things out in a new city, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, I, I just, I've never felt that strong of an urge to leave. So I've stayed. Well, I, you know, I think if you're, if you're able to do the work that you want to do where you are, um, exactly. you know, wh yeah. why, why, why leave, you know? Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, it's, if things are going well, you know, to, to pack up and, and start all over again in a new place is, it's, I mean, that's a great challenge and a great thing to do. I just, uh, yeah, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm really curious what sort of the scene is like in Vancouver in terms of art galleries and things. Are you finding, I mean, well, I guess with the design work, you're not really showing in galleries and, uh, and with the yeah. ceramics, that's a whole other sort of thing that I, you know, want to get into, but, um, you have a, a community of artists and musicians there that, uh, is supportive and you feel supported, uh, being, being there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a really small city, um, and that has a lot of pros and a lot of cons. Um, cons being there's, you know, there's less opportunity for, for everyone. And there's less of a, there's less of like a built-in culture with, with art and, and music. And uh, it's, it's also a relatively new city. You know, like our oldest buildings are from like, like 1890 which in comparison to a lot of other places is nothing um and it's it's continually evolving uh and growing it's growing at, at an insane rate um and so there's kind of new things happening all the time which is which is an exciting thing uh from you know one month to the next 
galleries will close and open and it's I mean it's a it's a it's a very challenging city to be an artist in hmm. compared to places where it's just an it's very normal to be an artist if you're thinking of like you know New York and LA or San Francisco or whatever right. where everyone you you know probably the majority of people you meet are an artist of some form um, and a working surviving artist it's it's an expensive place also to sort of have roots in, but at the same time, because it's small, I think the community is, is kind of like a tight one. Um, yeah. I mean, again, like I've never, I've never lived in another city, so I, I can't, I, I don't think I can fully compare it to, to somewhere else and you know, it be a just comparison, but yeah. 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 Well, this might be a good pivot point to sort of begin talking about ceramics because from what I gather, um, with, with that sort of work, you can, you can have your work stocked, uh, you know, in New York city or in wherever large art center we want to think of. Um, but not actually have to be there, um, you know, be there and be working. Yeah. And, and the cool thing too, like even just, you know, 20 minutes ago, I was, I was talking to someone via email and, and they just assumed that I lived in New York (laughs) and, and then I was like, Oh no, I'm actually, I'm actually very far away from New York. As far Um, as possible (laughs) and still be (laughs) in North America. I think that is a cool thing because a lot of it's, I mean, it's so visual and a lot of the times people will just see images of my work online and never connect it to, to like me physically being in a certain place. I've, I literally could live anywhere I think and still be able to do the same job, which is, which is really cool. I mean, I could, I could move to a tiny Island and have nothing but an internet connection and probably be fine. That's amazing. Um, that I wish I could do that. <laughs> that is not the case with what I do. Um, okay, so this is good. So let's get into talking about the world of ceramics. Uh, I'm really curious about how you started getting involved with it, as I'm assuming you did sort of outside of a school or uh, outside of a school or formal study. Yeah, I did. So, so what compelled you to want to work with clay and work with ceramics? Um I it kind of it kind of came from a place of just of just wanting to learn something new and that it seemed like a good medium that like I could apply I could apply my previous education and the things that I had learned and you know like the aesthetic that I had I had sort of grown for myself with design and apply it to something entirely new. Um, And, you know, I was looking, it wasn't even specifically ceramics that I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. I was looking at, you know, like, like metal sculpture and, and textile design and, and, you know, so many other things that I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to do something new with my hands and, you know, the, the things that I already knew about what I liked 
Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, it sounds to me like yeah. you wanted to get um, something that was tactile because I can exactly. imagine yeah. I can imagine yeah. working with digital, uh, you know, in the digital realm and always on a computer um, to do these designs that that at some point you would want to get in there and and do something with your hands and 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 make something. I mean that that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, you know, from what from what I hear you say. Yeah, and I I think it was also just thinking about things in a three-dimensional sense and that's sort of what drew me to ceramics is that is that it's it's not a flat you know even with design even if you even if you're creating something that ends up being three-dimensional you're still designing it on a flat surface and you're not yeah you're not thinking about like specific angles and you know the composition uh like it's it's a very it's a very different way of approaching the same thing if that makes sense yeah yeah so uh how did you get started with the the craft like how did you i mean i i know next to nothing about how ceramics come into being i mean i've seen you know like the the potter's wheel and i, I think some of yeah. them have to be baked in a kiln or something but i know very little about the actual craft of of making pottery and, and ceramics. So how, how did you get started learning that craft? Did you apprentice with someone there that had the equipment or how did you sort of learn the craft of it? I actually took, I took like a, just a six week beginners course at a, at a studio in Vancouver that it, I'm, the studio functions in a, in a very great way in the fact that it, it almost runs like a gym where it's a one place that has all the equipment you could ever need and you pay a monthly membership that's very cheap and you just go there and work when the hours like between the hours that it's open and and uh there's people there that can help you through things and tell you you can't do something you can do something um and and then they they actually fire it for you there and then you glaze it and then they fire it again. Um, I worked out of a place like that for about two years uh, when I was just really doing it as a hobby and I didn't take it seriously at all. Um, and then I started kind of taking it a little more seriously it was a conscious effort to to be like this is maybe something I want to do more of, <laughs> and so I worked out of there for a little bit longer, and then sort of realized that uh, that kind of place would limit me a lot, um, and also just working around a lot of people was not really something that helps me. I I work much better alone, or you know, surrounded by a few like-minded people. Um, so I eventually moved into a new studio, uh, on my, not on my own cause it was a, a larger shared space. Um, and then moving into there was kind of like, I, I learned a lot more about like the firing process and glazing techniques and stuff because I totally had to rely on myself to do it. Um, and yeah, I've, I've recently just moved into a new studio um, which is not even fully set up yet, but it's glorious. Well, it's um. it's interesting, and and it kind of makes sense that uh, 
you know, that you're you're making sort of reinvigorating this this uh, the world of ceramics with what you're doing because you're coming at it from an untraditional point of view, you know, and. and I sort. I wanted to ask you a couple of. Uh, I have a couple of questions about that uh, idea. Yeah. But before I say that, uh, I listened to. I wanted to tell you the story. I listened to an interview with. Uh, I'm sorry. He doesn't like to call them interviews, as I don't either. <laughs> I, I listened yeah. to a conversation on uh, Michael Shaw's podcast called The Conversation. I don't know if you've been familiar with that uh, show at I all. Don't. Uh, it's a really terrific show. He's um. Anyway, he he does this uh, podcast that's just conversations with artists, and he had a ceramicist. Is that is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he had a ceramicist on, and she was talking about how you know she was studying it formally in this. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the the woman's name right now, but she was yeah. studying formally in a you know in a school, and she got to this place where she didn't want to fire her pottery. She wanted to leave them delicate and fragile and that was what she wanted to do mm. that's how she wanted to express in this medium and all of the teachers said no yeah. you you can't do that you know that's <laughs> not allowed yeah. you know and she said at that moment she knew that she had to leave that school and and leave the idea that um things had to be done a certain way uh and so that was just sort of her story with how she got involved with making her work the way she did and so she yeah. makes this like really really fragile uh, ceramic art that literally is, you know, can fall apart at any moment. But that's part also part yeah. of the, that's also part of the beauty of of this kind of work. But at any rate, I guess what I wanted to ask you was similarly coming at it not from a certainly not from a folk idiom. You know, I mean, you, you're not studying pottery in, in a traditional uh, cultural sense. That you know, where there's traditional forms or traditional designs. Yeah. Uh, you're you're coming about it from a completely different place, but so I have to wonder then who are the who are your influences? Uh, do you have influences in the ceramic world, or or are you looking at any of those other like world cultural traditions or folk idioms for inspiration or s techniques or sort of where where is your inspiration coming from? When when I first started doing working with clay, I didn't, like, I knew nothing about anything about, like, I didn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even name, like, one other person who, who worked in the same medium, um, which I, I think was actually very beneficial to, you know, my, my, like, current outcome. I think it's so easy to be heavily influenced by every, everything around you, especially, especially right now, there's, there's a lot, you know, ceramics are having a very big moment right now. And with that, I think though, there'll be like a whole, there'll be so many people, you know, in two years, every other person you meet, well, that's an exaggeration, but like, there'll be a lot of ceramicists in the next couple of years. Why and is, why is if, that? What, what, what is making, uh, uh, what is making it sort of uh, the thing to do these days? I don't know if I can answer that. I don't know. I think it's, I think it just is functioning on the same wavelength as like any trend. And, you know, not that I want to say that like what I do is trendy, but it is. I, you know, places that normally would never carry, you know, like boutiques 
who normally would never carry any form of like functional housewares uh, are doing so and, and selling them very well. And, and I think because of that, everyone is sort of like looking for the next person and the, and more people. And it's, I mean, it's really great because it's kept me afloat, but I'm always, I'm a little cautious of, of things to come. And it, you know, I'm, I'm aware that it could be a passing trend. So this brings up a, an interesting point, which is, I suppose, a a piece of ceramic design could be simply for purely visual uh, enjoyment or, or, you know, at that point, I I feel like it's more of a sculpture, you know, like we were talking about the woman who makes the non-fired, those are, those are sculptures. Those are not really utilitarian things at all. How, How do you think about your, I mean, are you working for purely functional items that someone would buy and then put to use? Or are you thinking of them more as display pieces that would be more like sculptures or how, you know, or maybe a mix of that, those ideas? Yeah, or? I, think I, I think I do fall somewhere in the middle where like most of the work that I'm, that I'm currently making is very functional. Like everything can do something. I never like to tell, sometimes people ask me like, oh, what's that for? And I never want to tell anyone what's it for, what it's for. Like if it's, if it's just a vessel, it's like you could put butter in it if you, like I honestly don't care what you use it for. And I don't want to influence you to use it for a specific thing. Um, I think also because my work is very, it's, it's very colorful and graphic and I think, you know, from from people who have ever bought my work and talk about it, it's usually not the kind of thing you would just put in a cupboard with the rest of your stuff. Most people have told me that they kind of like to have it out on a shelf, which is very flattering. I do, I do, I am very much interested in sort of more the sculptural aspect of it, but it's not something that I focus on on a day to day basis. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm learning doing this podcast. Uh, part of the idea behind it was just to for 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 myself to be inspired by people that work in in a variety of disciplines. I've always found that that my work as a composer and a musician was always elevated when it was in collaboration with some other art. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I'm learning about though by doing this podcast is uh, I'm learning a little bit about the art world and about the relationships that one has um, for instance you know at reading uh, Sharon Loudon's book you know there are a lot of discussions in there about a gallerist and having a relationship with a gallerist and how that sort of works and there and there are all sorts of opinions and and different sort of ways of working with a gallerist and uh, Anyway, that's a deep well, deep subject on its own. Yeah. <laughs> but what but what I'm curious about for you is I read somewhere online uh that you, you know, a- as a ceramicist, you have to have a stockist, something like that. Uh so so <laughs> like are these people that find you online and they they like your work and they want to and they have like a a shop or a storefront or something or an online or a whatever, a boutique, as you mentioned before, that carries yeah. a line of ceramics by a certain artist. 
so like, how does that work? And, and what's your relationship like with those people? And how, like, how does that even happen? Yeah. Um, I've, I've been, I've been very, I've been very lucky and that whole world happened very organically for me. Um, I never, I mean, I, I don't ever approach people about them carrying my work. It, it's, I've, I've magically left it up to other people. And luckily, luckily there's been enough interest to, to, to continually keep making that happen. But yeah, um, it'll, most things happen online through, through, uh, you know, email or my, my own website or Instagram or whatever. Someone will see my work and they own a store or, a, yeah, even an online store or, I, there's a, a pop-up shop. There's a lot of different forms that it can take place in. Um, and they'll contact me and tell me that they want to carry my work. And, and I, I have been picky about who, who I sell through. I kind of, I kind of think that like, if it's a place that I would want to go into and shop at and, and I'm, and I'm excited about the other people they're carrying, then that's a place that I would want to be in. But if it's a place that I just don't really feel represents me as a person and my interests, then I, you know, politely de- decline. But um, it kind of it kind of varies. Sometimes someone is like, "Hey, I saw a picture of these mugs, and I would like to carry them," and I give them a wholesale price, and they order some, and I make it, and I ship it out, and they send me a check <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a great world. Sometimes I do more of a exclusive sort of like more like collaborative orders, uh, which is really fun to do. If it, if someone says that they, they're really looking for like, a some plates or, you know, more sculptural objects it's yeah, it's it's fun to be able to to work with a specific place and and sort of talk about the aesthetic of their store and the kinds of things that they know sell well sell well and the kinds of things that their customers like buying or talk about um, and then and making those things specifically for them. It's it's a it's a fun relationship usually. So, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, so it sounds like in some cases it's a commission. Uh, where you're you're asked to make sort of a certain kind of thing, and then in some cases yeah. you're you're just making work and putting it out there and seeing, uh, and people come across it and and want to um, want to buy it and sell it. Yeah, exactly. As yeah. simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is <laughs> P- pretty interesting. So yeah. Uh, so this then this conversation then sort of as another sort of pivot point to talk about another aspect of this business, which is simply that. Um, there's a lot more that goes into being a creative uh, person and an artist, especially if you're trying to uh, make a living at it. Um, the business of art, the business side of things. The business side of things. Yeah, and yeah. and you know that, that that's why one of the reasons that I love uh, Sharon's book, and uh, I'm just going to keep talking about it because I love it so much. Yes, and... I, I've seen the book you're talking about. I I haven't I haven't read it, but I. I definitely, especially after you talking about it, I I definitely will well, check it out. One of the things that, one of the reasons behind it is that she wanted to explain to people who 
may not be fully aware of the idea that that money is not necessarily the only measure of artistic success, that you can still be a successful artist, but maybe not even make your living from the art. Um, and then the other side of that is, you know, sort of dispelling the myth of the poor struggling artist, you know, <laughs> that artists have to struggle or struggle financially. Um, so And so a lot of these uh, essays in the book sort of speak to that. But one of the things that you can't get around um, being a creative person is you have to get you have to get your work out into the world a yeah. and then and then b you have to sort of be able to talk about your your work or talk about yourself in a way that that connects with people and um, I mean those are those are definitely two two big subjects on their own but then there's also sort of just the the business of you know, establishing yourself. And, um, so let's, let's talk, let's dive into some of this stuff. Um, yeah. you, I, I found a little quote, uh, as I was sort of doing some research for the show, I guess it was an interview you did a couple of years ago and that you said, um, that you had to get good at talking about yourself, that you weren't comfortable with it, but you, you had to sort of learn how to do that. And I also yeah. gather from reading that, that you weren't too excited about keeping up with all the social media and you said something to the effect of, uh, the day you signed up for Twitter was like, oh, I have to be like, I'm doing this today. Check out this cool thing I did. And that <laughs> you had to sort of be that, that sounds like something I said, yeah. you had to sort of be that person. So, um, so let's just talk a little bit about that. Um, are you? Do you feel like you're more comfortable now? I mean, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, you certainly had some success in in getting people to pay attention to your work, and um, so yeah, just any any anywhere you want to go with that. I uh, I don't know. I am I more comfortable with it? I mean, I think I I am more comfortable with it for sure. It's um, I think I've sort of built my I've built a platform where I feel okay to talk about it like Instagram for instance I don't I don't feel weird about posting work on Instagram because I've I've made it about that and so anyone who's following me there knows that that's what happens there um and and the thing with just like all the social media is like the thing that I learned, I think I probably had, when I said that quote, I probably had just recently you started using Twitter mm -hmm. and I, you know, I didn't get any better at Twitter. And I think that's because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am like fundamentally a visual person. Yeah. And so using words to describe what I was doing just didn't, it didn't ever sit well with me. So being able to visually show people what I'm doing felt way better and more natural and I yeah that kind of thing I'm I'm totally okay with doing now um expressing things in words is you know even even if I run into someone on the street and they're like oh what are you up to like how's things going like I'm I'm usually not very forthcoming about it uh and i don't think that I've that's that's really held me back because because so much of my work has come from an online presence and and it being a visual online presence so I think it's okay yeah I I have a similar experience in that you know I'm a percussionist and um mm -hmm. 
I play the drums, okay, but that's not really what I do for my, yeah. you know, my creative work is not just playing drums. So, you know, when I'm on an airplane and I sit next to someone and they say, oh, what do you, <laughs> what do you do? And first of all, if I say percussion, they sort of look at me like I'm from Mars. Half the people don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. So I say, yeah. you know, I play, I play drums and uh, usually they, they sort of yeah. nod and like, they go, oh. You're oh. playing like a blues rock band or something. <laughs> <laughs> so inevitably, exactly right. The next question yeah. is, oh, do you play in a band? And I'd be like, yeah. no, not not really, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, there's groups like uh, Blue Man Group and Stomp that are sort of in the popular vernacular that I can say, have you ever seen like the Blue Man Group or Stomp? Yeah. Well, what I do is kind of like that. Kinda. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the only It's the only frame of reference that I can give people for what I do. Yeah. And um, so I can imagine I, I've, uh, that resonates strongly with me, um, the, the ability to just talk about what you do to someone off the street. And But nevertheless, it's a skill that uh, is important, I think, for an artist. And I've always, I've always been sort of uh, uh, envious of visual artists who, in their training at some point, it, this, this must be part of... Uh, the training that that artists go through, that they they learn how to articulate their sort of artistic vision. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're not just, oh, I I'm just very intuitive. And some artists are very intuitive, but most most artists are able to tell you, no, this is exactly what I, you know, this is what I'm doing. You know, and they'll be able to tell you. Um, they might not tell you what to think about it. You know, they don't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of most artists don't want to do that as, as you even said about your, your work about with the ceramics, you don't want to tell someone what to do with it. But at any rate, yeah. I've, I've noticed that sort of visual artists are much better at articulating their artistic vision. And, you know, there are a handful of composers who have written pieces and, and have spoken very eloquently about a specific work or a specific sort of aesthetic of John Cage comes to mind, uh, you mm-hmm. know, who wrote eloquent, books and and essays about the nature of music and what what he was doing with his work but i think that's really exceptional so yeah. i so i wanted to put it to you so you said that you you in fact even said well you had to sort of learn how to talk about yourself and learn how to talk about your work help me out <laughs> how do you learn how to do that <laughs> you know how do you learn how to do that and what where where did you start you know what it's, I think it might come actually more from people talking to me about my own work <laughs> and then like rehashing those ideas to somebody else. Um, it's, I mean, for other people, you know, if, if you're like a, a painter or you've, you've gone, I think there's a built-in language in fine arts and it's a language you can easily learn and pick up from your surroundings. I don't, and and I think that's why it's harder with something that's not visual, like music or writing, is that it's, I think it's easy to, to put words to what you see, as opposed to words to what you feel or what you hear. Um, I, I don't, I, I mean, I still, I don't think I'm very good at talking about my own work. And so I don't, I don't know if I can help you. No, that's, (laughs) but that's, that's a good. I I do also envy people. (laughs) I do also envy people who are very good at it um, and very comfortable at at just being 
at just just saying their purposes and their influences and why they're doing something I feel like I honestly just don't think about it that much yeah <laughs> well I, I I think it's I think what you yeah. hit for me what one of the things that you said that resonated with me was that it's easier to talk about something that's seen rather than yeah. than heard you know uh so that would make yeah. sense you know um that that yeah. has the ring of truth I mean, for me you can, you can describe a sunset pretty well you, it's hard it's it's easier to describe a sunset than to describe like a the sound of the wind <laughs> wow. yeah that, it's so true <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> okay so we we sort of uh, took a left turn a little bit about talking about the business of yeah. art but uh, you know i recently watched this film i don't know if you've seen it um about Ma Marina Abramovich, the performance artist. It's called um, yeah. The Artist is Present. Uh, and it's uh, sort of takes you through uh, her preparation for this uh, work that she did at the Modern Art Museum in New York City, where she sat at a table for, I don't know, eight hours a day or something. And, it's a long time. And yeah. people would come and, and sit in front of her, and she would just be present with them. But one of the things she said in the documentary was most of her time is spent writing emails. <laughs> she said, who knew, who knew yeah. when you become an artist yeah. that you have to write so many emails? Um, so, so many emails. And, and I think for like what you mentioned about being in Vancouver and not being in or being in a relatively small city and not being in what what a lot of people would consider like a, a art capital like New York City or Los yeah. Angeles and like in not a cultural hub by any means right right so yeah. what are the things that you feel like are the most important you know things to do to make yourself visible not living in one of those big art centers I think one one thing that I sort of noticed between between uh you know people who are successful at what they're doing and people who do a similar thing, but maybe don't quite have the same success is so much stuff. So, so much of everything happens online now and you can't, you can't really exist <laughs> without having, I mean, exist not in, in, in the terms of being a human being, but you can't like exist in, in the world that maybe you want to exist in without sort of playing into that. And I, I sort of touched on that earlier, but I think sort of like curating your online thoughts and ideas and being very like precise about things. And, you know, even, even like the photos that you post and the, and the things you say and the, the things you repost on Tumblr or whatever you have, is that like I th I think the difference between people that do well and the people who don't quite do as well is that those things are very thought thought out, and I don't mean that that you need to sit there and like think about whether or not you should post something, but I think it's like if you've sort of formed an aesthetic around your the idea of your work and you follow that through and that sort of, I think that like consistency resonates with people and people will will continually come back to you because they understand that you're someone who sort of understands themselves 
if if that makes sense. Yeah, um, that, that makes perfect sense. That that's yeah. great great advice. Yeah. yeah. I, I sort of sometimes wonder about social media like, you know, some people are so dialed into that thing that you you start to think, is this a is are, are they a real person? You know, is all they do think about, you know, <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I, I sort of, I agree with you. I think the, uh, I think maybe a way to say it would be a highly curated sense of a, of a presence online. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that you have to, to not, it doesn't mean you have to like give in to, to an aesthetic that's not you because you think that that's what people like. I think you can, you can still very much do you, but I think it just has to be like a very realized version of you. Yeah. No, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt the show. I just wanted to drop in and ask that uh, if you are listening on iTunes, Please do me a favor, go back and leave a rating or a review. It helps people find and follow the show. Thanks. What about, uh, let's, since we have something that's a common ground for us, would be the, the music world, and we, we talked a lot about your collaboration on design elements for musicians, you know, concert posters, album art, this type of thing, but I also found that you recently released your own sort of uh music your own solo album under the moniker of waters um yeah. and so i listened to a little bit of it and i i guess i might speaking of <laughs> how do we describe sound um <laughs> I, I suppose i might describe it as being um ambient or uh, sort of an experimental ambient sort of music uh that's, yeah, that's atmos where I atmospheric okay. and yeah so tell me a little bit about uh how you decided to start working with with music I, I honestly sort of feel it was something I didn't really have a choice in. <laughs> um, both of my both my parents are musicians, and I have two brothers that are also musicians. And it's just something that has always been there. And my like my like teenage rebellion against my parents was basically just to not play music. Um, usually that's the, I, usually I, that's the other way around, you know. I know <laughs> you got right? that backwards. Um, yeah. Um, but it, but it was like an all encompassing thing in our house. So the, the only thing that I could really do to set myself apart was to just not do that. Um, and then I kind of hit like 20 years old and I was kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe this is something that I actually do have an interest in. And then I sort of like almost regretted my, my teenage years and not taking advantage of all the opportunities I could have had to, to learn instruments when I was younger. But, um, yeah, the, the project, I, I have two projects now, um, waters, which started in 2011, I want to say, um, just as sort of like a, a bedroom recording project. I didn't really ever think about how, I mean, what it is today is very different than what it was in 2011. Um, I didn't think about, you know, performing live or anything like that at the time. It was just like a fun thing to do in my apartment and, and I put it out in the world and, um, and then eventually started playing shows and at 
that time I wasn't entirely sure how to communicate what I wanted to do by myself. So I played with a friend at the time. And since then, I, I mean, I now play solo um, now that I've sort of like figured things out and it's morphed into what more of what I wanted it to be. Yeah, my other, I do play in a, like a, a pretty regular, like, well, regular is a stretch, but like a three-piece kind of just like noisy rock band, which is almost mentally the opposite of of Waters, but equally as as thrilling. <laughs> Great. And, Did uh, I answer a question? No, I, no that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. So um, yeah. I think we should probably wrap up at this point. I always like to close the discussions by talking about, you know, any sort of advice you might have for up-and-coming artists or people that are trying to establish themselves or uh, starting to create or trying to sustain a a creative practice. Just any advice that you have to kind of close out would be great. Yeah. I think I, I I briefly touched on this before, but I think like there's there's so much information in regards to like any anything you want to do. There's so much information, and it's so easily I think to d- get distracted about what other people are doing and how other people are doing it. And I think the thing that I could sort of take away from the way that I've approached things is that like I didn't look at a lot of other people's work and I think that helped me inform exactly what my own work wanted to be and I also like didn't share my work for a long time (laughs) and I think that really helped me understand what I wanted to be making so I think my advice would just be to like just like do your thing and and don't pay too much attention about what other people are thinking about it or or what other people are doing in the same field. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific advice, Lindsay. Thanks so much. Thank you. And with that, we conclude this episode of Standing in the Stream, Conversations with Creatives. Again, I'm your host, John Lane. You can follow me on Twitter, at thatjohnlane. You can find the show links and show notes on my website, john-lane.com, and follow the show on Facebook. Simply search for Standing in the Stream. Thanks to Danny Clay for our theme music. You can find him online at dclaymusic.com. I'll be back next time for more conversations with creatives. Thanks for listening.